Brett, how's it going? It's going great. How are you doing today? Doing, doing good. Doing real good. I'm Brett Starr. I'm the founder and CEO of the Star Conspiracy. This is Lance. I'm the Vice President of Market Insights at the Star Conspiracy. I, I was trying to create that space for you. <laughs> I was I was waiting for my great introduction. <laughs> you know what? Next time. Next time I'm going to surprise you with a great introduction. This is our right. work leader weekly podcast where we talk about all things employee experience. And when we talk about employee experience at the Star Conspiracy, we're talking about employee experience in the context of the three domains of experience, employee experience, customer experience, and shareholder experience. We could go on and on about the relationship between those three, but uh, uh, each has multiple subdomains. And in our model, the Star Conspiracy employee experience is comprised of employer brand, recruitment marketing, candidate experience, work experience, and employee success. Um, and, um, you know, I'd love to, you know, go on and on about especially the distinction between work experience and employee success. Uh, but I'm not going to do that today because today we're going to be talking about trends in employee experience in 2023. That's, yeah. that's next year, right? 2023. I, I hope so. God, I hope so. I am so looking forward <laughs> to 2023. Can I just say, have these been the hardest three years of your life? They've been, um, they've been tough. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I think, uh, in some ways they've been really good. And in some ways they've been really, really difficult. Um, and so you know, I can think about early, earlier on in my career when I've had like all these stresses, like, uh, right around, especially, um, you know, the big recession in 2008. Um, yeah. I think that was the last probably time that was even close to this, but this has been really extended too. It's, it's been a long time. Yeah. And it's been kind of like a, you know, like a episode of white Lotus or something. It's like twists <laughs> and turns, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, you never really know what's going to happen next. Um, yes. you know, I try to keep an opportunity mindset. Um, and, uh, you know, so I'm not going to stick on this for too long, but you know, <clears throat> it's, it's, I've sometimes described it like a horror movie where, you know, you, you think you've vanquished the monster and, and then, you know, like you're grabbing some water out of the refrigerator and you close the refrigerator door and there's like a jump scare or something like that. That's right. It's like when you think you get through the pandemic and then you're like, okay, wow, we did that. That was awesome. And there were some great things that, you know, some great experiences that we all shared. It was undeniably challenging. Yep. Um, some uh, huge challenges for so many people around the world. And then you run smack dab into whatever this is in 2022. <laughs> and you're like, well, I thought, I thought we like killed the monster. And then like, here's a whole new version of it. It's like a sequel, but just different. And uh, right. so, yeah, it's been a strange. I don't know exactly where we're at in that, in that yeah. story. <laughs> no, I don't uh, either. But it, I mean, it puts to the forefront, you know, what we're talking about today, which is employee experience in 2023 yeah. when so much has changed. Um, yeah. and continues to change, um, you know, what we would have considered, you know, employee experience in 2019 and the beginning of 2020 and how we all as pundits would have projected out, um, you know, about the slow, you know, grinding future of work, you know, kind of slowly, uh, you know, inching closer to the horizon, you know, I mean, and we used to say it a lot in 2021, the future work just arrived on our doorstep. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it accelerated a lot of things. It set back a lot of things. What are people thinking about? Let's go through, um, you know, our model and, uh, think about 2023. What are some of the trends that you see in employee experience? And let's start with employer brand. Um, go. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, kind of to maybe set a little bit higher, level set a little bit higher, um, you know, looking at Deloitte's like CEO, like survey, uh, one of the most popular, um, you know, pieces of information we have that, that survey CEOs and um, their top two concerns are inflation and workforce shortages. Um, and so like, you know, what, what does that mean for the employee experience? And I think what 
is really interesting is how that intersects with shareholder experience too, um, you know, too. So when you're looking at inflation and you're looking at workforce shortages, labor shortages, skill shortages, however you want to put it, um, it really puts organizations between a rock and a hard place. Um, you know, you're going to have a lot of organizations that are going to have to make some really tough decisions. I think in 2023, a lot of them have made some tough decisions in 2022, as we talked about last week. So, um, you know, I think those are going to continue just because, the workforce shortages aren't going away. I mean, I think they reported today that inflation um, has slowed, uh, yep. but it's still, what, 7% year over year? Yeah. Um, so that's still pretty pretty significant. And so, like, I mean, I think when you're looking at, you know, when we're kind of, when I'm looking at 2023, I'm kind of looking at those two things as sort of like, okay, what, is, what does that sort of inflection point mean for um, organizations across all of employee experience? And, employer brand side of things, I mean, workforce shortages um, are going to continue unless you've got um, just an unbeatable employer brand that could continue to just hire um, in spite of all of those challenges, right? So, Well, can I just stop you for a minute, Lance? I just have to stop you because you said something that was like, it's so interesting. Inflation is high and the biggest concern... uh, uh, along with inflation is workforce shortage. How strange is that? <laughs> the weirdest thing. It is, right? Yeah. And so what, you know, for, you know, people who haven't, you know, been through uh, a significant downturn, um, you know, like the one that we're either in right now or appears on the horizon or whatever, usually, you know, periods of high inflation and economic downturn and all that stuff are accompanied by high periods of unemployment which makes, you know, the, the dynamic really different. I mean, it, you, in times like these, typically, uh, you know, your biggest concern uh, are, you know, in that CEO survey, for instance, would be more like business drivers, more shareholder experience stuff. Yep. But to have to balance that and the uncertainty of the economy with the need to not just retain, but also intra- attract uh, employees yeah. in a tight labor market, I mean, that's got to be, you know, I don't want to say unprecedented, but it is definitely a weird situation. <laughs> we've, we've never seen anything like that, at least in the modern context, right? I mean, yeah. like, so like, I mean, we, I think we can say unprecedented. It's, it's, it's incredibly bizarre. And, you know, I mean, the workforce, I mean, labor shortages are driven by, you know, I mean, lots of things that are structural. Um, you know, we had what, uh, like... Uh, a ton of people died from COVID. That took out a bunch of people. Had a bunch of people leave the workforce um, voluntarily. You have long COVID. That's affecting people's availability. Um, and we don't, I mean, we don't have the population to support it. Um, immigration slowed. All these things like have just like created this very, um, I want to live in precedented times, Brett. I don't want to live yeah, in right. unprecedented times. Like, I mean, this yeah. is, this is just the weirdest uh, time to be until like as as a business owner um it's it's there's a lot of tough decisions still coming um like i'd love to just give a bunch of hope about like this is going to get easier but none of the projections are are, are going that direction and it's, and it's a, it's like you said it's a weird thing because usually you've been able to make really simple trade-offs it's like okay we'll be able to hire people back if we let them go like that doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Like if no. you let a person go or a person leaves your organization, it's going to be really hard to backfill. Uh, and that's going to be probably the case for all of the next year. Well, that puts like, I mean, if you just think about it, so we're going to get to employer brand, I promise. But a lot of the traditional things that people would look at at times like these, like furloughs and stuff like that, those options to your point are kind of off the table because if yeah. you expect to interrupt the, you know, the uh, employment experience, of someone because, um, you know, that's what you feel like you have to do because of economic uncertainty or whatever. And you expect those folks are going to hang around and come back. I mean, that's just not, that's not on the table right now. Yeah. So do you think like, I, so now we've got to go back, you know, not just over 2022, uh, but go, you know, uh, in my mind, all the way back to the beginning of the pandemic in order to project forward into 2023 around employer brand. Yeah. Um, how much damage do you think has been done uh, to organizations, uh, employer brands. I know it's not everyone, but it seems to me like, um, you know, over the last three years, 
uh, especially for larger organizations, because those are the ones that we see. But also in smaller organizations that we don't see, all this volatility has created some really unique challenges when it comes to employer brand, which let's break down what employer brand is. Like if you just want to get really metrics driven about it, employer brand can be broken down into recognition, functional association, and attributes. So do people know that you have jobs for them? <laughs> you know, that's just recognition, right? Do they know what kind of jobs that you have to offer, right? And so there's a lot of organizations who, you know, are known to be big employers. Uh, they have recognition, but they, you know, folks don't know, like I think about Sodexo comes to mind, for instance, you yeah. know, Sodexo is a huge company. A lot of people think about uh, Sodexo as like a facilities management uh, company. They run the cafeterias and, you know, uh, colleges or airports or your company. They do facilities management, you know, change light bulbs, uh, provide janitorial staff, stuff like that. But the reality is the type of jobs that they have is across the entire spectrum. I mean, they've got all, they've got programming jobs. They've got, you know, like all right. kinds of jobs. So that, you know, yeah. do they know what kind of jobs you have? And then attributes. Do they know what it would be like to work for your company, right? So those are the three components of employer brand. I feel like a lot of organizations um, have experienced uh, significant uh, tension, uh, to say the least, around their employer brand. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, when you see a big layoff uh, in the news, for instance, um, as we're seeing a lot of right now, uh, that may create the perception that those companies are not also hiring which is usually not true, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so, and then what type of jobs are they hiring for? And then what's it like to work there? And there's just high profile situation after high profile situation where it would appear in the public eye that it must really suck to work for Twitter. <laughs> it must really <laughs> suck to work for Tesla. What other uh, companies are run by Elon Musk? It must really suck to work for companies run by Elon Musk. But, you know, that's just an extraordinary example because companies right. of all sizes and all industries, many of them have um, uh, damaged, uh, uh, you know, their employer brand, whether they know it or not. And so what does that look like in uh, 2023 and how important is employer brand to meeting some of the uh, objectives that businesses are going to have? Yeah, I mean, that's a big question. I mean, it you know, the thing that I I really, really truly believe is that the the divide between the haves and the have nots on employer brand have, has never been wider. Um, like the good employers, the ones that just continue to just plow resources into their employees, um, support their employees, demonstrate good market leadership, um, have like <laughs> are just winning. Like, I mean, like, I mean, Charlie Sheen esque, like yeah. uh, absurd sort of le levels of winning where, you know, like a company like Costco, which isn't in a great, um, like industry for, uh, the pandemic, um, continues to like be an employer of choice, continues to have their choice of any retail employee that they want to have, um, they can have as part of their organization. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, like I, I think the have-nots have 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 made have made their their lives really difficult, um, and have sort of um, expanded the challenge uh, to the point where, um, you know, I was I was reading an article today um, from um, I think uh, Employee Benefits News, and they were talking about just how uh, pay transparency makes um, makes your recruiting costs go down. <laughs> it's like. That's why you see a lot of signs at McDonald's, why you see a lot of signs at Walmart about pay and yeah. how much you can make uh, yeah. there because they're trying to sort of um, bridge the attribute gap that they have. And I right. think that's where a lot of organizations have, have suffered. So I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think there's some organizations that are like, hey, yes, we've laid some people off, but we're still hiring for these roles. These are the types of folks um, that, that, we're, that we're looking for. Here's the skills that we need. Uh, to continue to move forward. These are strong jobs. This, we're still a strong organization. So I think there's some of that challenge there too. But on the other side of things, I mean, I think the attribute challenge has just been absolutely brutal. And um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, if, if you're looking ahead into 2023, um, you know, you're, you're going to start to see that comp is, the, I mean, comp will be helpful. Pay transparency would be helpful. But because of inflation, because of those workforce shortages, you're, 
you're gonna have to start bridging the gap with attributes um, and that and those attributes I think one of the things that you talked about on the customer experience side um, with Steve I think last week was you know it has to be authentic too it has to be real so you can't yeah. make promises especially in employment that you can't keep so that's that's going to be I think goal number one for a lot of organizations in 2023 I don't know what you think Oh, no, I totally agree. And I, I think, you know, you, you kind of have to break it down a little bit and say, well, you know, co how do you work on your employer brand? Right. Yeah. Um, I think everyone has work to do on their employer brand. Um, I think that um, a lot of uh, a lot of people um, don't uh, uh, have a holistic view of how employer brand fits in with recruitment, marketing and the candidate experience and the work experience and employee success nor do they have a holistic view around the relationship between the employee experience uh, and the customer experience and shareholder experience. So use Costco as an example, you know, not only, um, you know, is Costco winning from an EX perspective, but they're also winning from um, a customer experience perspective and a shareholder experience perspective. And so yep. you see a really strong vision that goes across all three of those experience domains and is executed very well. And so when we talk about employer brand, what are we talking about? Uh, you know, there's a famous quote by David Ogilvie that says, brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Um, and, you know, we have a, uh, <clears throat> you know, a little bit uh, more, you know, kind of metrics uh, driven view of uh, how you can define your brand, which is, you know, based on recognition and functional association and attributes. But what do you do to build recognition? What do you do to build functional association? What do you do to build attributes? And how do you connect that with the rest of the stuff in your employee experience and across those other domains? And the first thing is you have to know what your employer brand is. So just yeah. like in customer experience, and this is probably not news to, you know, a lot of um, people leaders, but just like in customer experience, you know, you have a unique value proposition. You have a brand position. You stand for something. Um, the same is true for employer brand. You know, there are like infrastructure elements that are necessary before you just go out and start like advertising, for instance, which we'll kind of get to that in a second. Uh, but you know, you have to have an employer value proposition and you have to understand, um, you know, what kind of experience you want to create. Uh, and I say that very intentionally because a lot of people say, well, what kind of experience do you want to promote and advertise? And the reality is you need to be thinking about what experience you want to create. Uh, and discover, you know, the great things about your employee experience and, you know, work on the things that aren't so great and create a vision for, you know, where you'd like to be. And that ends up forming, you know, the kind of basis of your employer value proposition, your employer brand, you know, et cetera. So there's a lot of, you know, infrastructure work that has to go on, just like there would be uh, in CX. And I think you also, <clears throat> you know, benefit from understanding, you know, like in a perfect world, if we could just like, uh, work with every, you know, client the way we want to work with every client, we wouldn't just be focused on EX and we wouldn't just be focused on CX or SX. Yeah. We would create a higher level experience vision and that experience vision would be applied to EX, CX and SX because when all those um, experience domains are working together, that's when you get the best result. But after you've created that um, infrastructure um, that's important to, um, you know, as one of my professors in college used to say, F, the ineffable, you know, it's like you have to have words for describing what uh, sometimes are very difficult things to kind of wrap language around, uh, around what's unique about working inside an organization. Then really employer brand <clears throat> is an advertising function after that. <clears throat> and, you know, um, I think that, you know, people often rec uh, uh, confuse recruitment marketing for employer brand advertising. Yeah. And the two are very different, right? Like uh, recruitment marketing is a very call to action, you know, uh, process. It's a very like, here are the jobs that we have. Let's get some candidates in, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, we'll talk about recruitment marketing. But the way you, uh, you know, drive recognition and the way you drive functional association and, um, you know, uh, cement what your uh, brand attributes are in the market is part, part of it. Part of it is advertising, um, whether that's advertising in your local market or whether that's advertising uh, nationally or globally, like some of the larger brands do, that advertising is very important um, and it has to be in line with what the actual employee experience can be um, or is actually like, knowing that all organizations, you know, have things to work on. And that's so, right. um, yeah, I think um, it's time for many companies who have never done this before 
to put a stake in the ground and to do the hard work of defining what their employer value proposition is and what their employer brand stands for and what they want their employee experience to be like, to do that work and capture it. And then uh, for many organizations, I think it's, you know, um, probably going to be their first time to experiment with advertising uh, in the context of employer brand. And I think that that work is incredibly important. Uh, you know, it's just like when you hire Pete Davidson um, to come out and apologize for Taco Bell's breakfast. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Like advertising works, right? So if you have um, in, you know, a lot of people, and then I'll shut up, but a lot of people believe that their employer brand is a glass door score. And they, you know, that's the metric that they have on their scorecard. It's like, here's our glass door score. And that is not your employer brand um, by any stretch of the imagination. And so I think that, um, you know, uh, lots of people need to work on their employer brand, but not probably in the ways that they think they do. Um, they need to get serious about it the way that, um, you know, uh, customer experience folks have been serious about it for a long time in terms of nailing down what your message platform is, uh, connecting it to reality. And then engaging in some, uh, you know, dare I say traditional, you know, which is not to imply not innovative, but traditional advertising motions in order to take control of uh, recognition and functional association and attributes. Um, yep. I think it's, it's just there's a lot more people who need to be thinking about that than ever before, um, because I think opinions about what it's like to work for this company or that are more polarized and sharper after the last three years than they've ever been. Yeah, for sure. I think that, I mean, that's a perfect segue to, I think, you know, recruitment marketing, uh, because I think when you look at those factors and you look at some of the changes, probably the biggest like change on the recruitment marketing side of things is, you know, indeed shift in model, you know, from pay-per-click to pay-per-application. Um, you know, it's like, you know, marketing going from pay-per-click to pay-per-lead. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it puts, I think, uh, organizations think, uh, and, you know, a lot of organizations haven't been, uh, you know, necessarily like out there, like heavily advertising, but I think they're going to have to in 2023. Mm -hmm. And so if you're looking at recruitment marketing, one of the things that I think we see on, um, the, the customer experience side that we can definitely apply to the EX side is, uh, brand becomes more important with a paper lead, uh, or a paper applicant, uh, factor than, than it does on a paper click. Um, so you're, you've got higher stakes, you've got more about like, you want to get the right fit into the funnel, um, in order to, uh, make the most of, of that spend. And so when you're looking at that sort of major change, um, and you know, obviously indeed is one thing, but it's, it is a big, it is a big thing. Um, and it's, it's definitely something that has changed the way that organizations are sort of marketing their jobs out there in the world. Um, I think that connection, I mean, all of these things are connected to one another. That's, that's part of our ex expansive uh, employee experience model is that there's connections there. But, you know, as we look at the recruitment marketing in 2023, that's one connection point where I think, boy, you better get this figured out because you're just going to be spending, you know, lots of money on, on bad advertising. Yeah. Uh, just on for, for your jobs that you need to get filled, right? Well, let's, let's, let's drill down into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one reason why pay transparency is important, right? Because if you're paying, uh, uh, you know, for every application, you want to make sure that those applications are people who come in with an understanding of, um, you know, whether it fits what they're looking for uh, from an employment perspective, from a compensation and benefits perspective, whatever, right? Yep. And so, you know, that's going to push. I mean, it cannot be understated how many changes that change that Indeed made is going to push throughout the industry. Yeah. But to go back to, uh, you know, the, the point that you made about the relationship between employer brand and recruitment marketing, we've seen this time and time and time again. I, I want everyone to listen to this really closely because <laughs> this is super important. If we take two companies who are in the same industry offering the exact same job with the exact same benefits and the exact same compensation, and one of them has high brand recognition and they have high functional association for the types of jobs that they offer. And they have a strong sense of what their attributes are for what it's like to work there. And the other one may be just as great. It may even be better, 
but there's low recognition for the for the fact that they're an employer in whatever market they're trying to hire in. Um, and there's low functional association for the type of jobs they offer, and there's low uptake in attributes. We can run the exact same recruitment marketing campaigns for both of those companies at the same funding level, and one will outperform the other by like literally an order of magnitude because recruitment marketing thrives on a strong employer brand and all the motions yep. that we talked about in that brand. And so if you're running your recruitment marketing, uh, you know, campaigns and you're disappointed in the volume of applications that you're receiving or you're cost. disappointed <laughs> or the cost or the quality yeah. or, you know, whatever, this is why a holistic view is so important because the problem is probably not in recruitment marketing. You could be running the same game plan that your much more successful competitor is running. It's probably employer brand and the lack of investment in employer brand. Yeah. Yeah. We see, we see that at time and time again, because, you know, I think we've got a small industry and, you know, people move from job to job and they bring their playbook with them yeah. and they find out like really quickly, Oh, this this playbook isn't running the same here as it was at my other organization. Well, you yeah, went from you went from Google to Oracle. That's a yeah. that's a different type of organization, you know. So, um, it should be no surprise that those 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 are going those those are going to perform differently as well. Um, when you get down to recruitment marketing, I think lots of people do just sort of skip step one, which is you know looking at sort of the employer brand, getting a good assessment, getting good feel for it, yeah. going beyond the glass glass door score. Um, to figure that sort of stuff out. Yeah, it's a great opportunity to talk about defining moments as well, right? Because you create a defining moment when you break the script. And so there's a script for recruitment marketing. Just put yourself in, you know, uh, like a job seekers, um, you know, whether active or passive candidate, right? Um, the script is, you know, you see uh, a, a listing for a job opening uh, in an organization. Um, you know, you click on it. Uh, you know, you uh, fill out some form of an application, uh, you wait around to see if anyone's going to call you back, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, you kind of, you get into the candidate experience from there. And what that, uh, and that's the way everybody does it. You know, they post their jobs on job boards. They, you know, try to, uh, you know, uh, uh, create good employee referral programs. You know, there's like a, a set of tactics that people use for recruitment marketing, but they're all following, um, you know, the script. And if you want to create a defining moment that actually, you know, connects with people um, and increases your success uh, across the board, then you really want to create a defining moment. It is not a defining moment to write a job description. Everybody, we need a job description. Everybody gets that, right? Yeah. Uh, job description feeds a lot of systems. It feeds a lot of processes. It's super important for, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that happens once the work experience kicks in and employee success uh, kicks in. A job description is not good marketing. <laughs> no, no, it's not a marketing tool at all. No, in my opinion. I mean, like, I mean, it's it helps you understand what the job is. Um, it's great for legal. It's great for HR. Great for learning and development, uh, folks. It's not good for marketing. No, and it, but isn't most of the time that <laughs> That's isn't, isn't that the marketing copy? Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. So you have people, well, I mean, and, and I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but I mean, like, this is also why people screw up their job descriptions that are really helpful for those people, because they're also trying to use it as a marketing tool instead of just, they're two separate things. Just separate the two. Separate the two. <laughs> yeah. Well, the it's like, hey, if I'm, here's a job description. Okay. Yeah. There we go. If I'm selling a software product, if I'm selling a yeah. software product, it's very important to know what the features and benefits of that software yes, product are. Absolutely important. Is making a big list of features and benefits good marketing or good, you know, branding? No, <laughs> no. You want to connect with people, you know, based on attitudes, behaviors, and beliefs, and you want to drive connection and you want to drive engagement and you want to, uh, you know, uh, create aspirational, you know, kind of, um, copy and creative and, you know, stuff like that. And, and, you know, that is not the job description. Uh, that's just not, it's not good recruitment marketing. So why Lance, why is this <laughs> when an HR person says, if an HR person walks in to an executive meeting and says, you know what, we need to work on our employer brand and we need to work on recruitment marketing 
Uh, and, uh, you know, we need to be more visionary. We need to, you know, um, be more aspirational. We need to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. What are they going to hear? And, you know, where, what, what resources do they have at their disposal to make that happen? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they have to, they have to have like just pure advertising. Like, like you said, I mean, that, that's where the spend is, is helpful. I think one of the, I'm just going to throw this out there because it's it's important uh, as part of our model is that you have those. Or, I mean, I just I talked about Costco. If you pull Costco's, uh, you know, uh, jobs, they've just got job descriptions on there, and like they could probably do a better job if they actually wrote like you know actual job advertisements for yeah. for their for their things. But that's because the power of their brand is so the power of their big brand that it's it's so big it doesn't matter. Yeah. They just, they could put whatever they want out there. They're like, I want to work there. I don't care. Yeah. Put put me yeah. on the floor. Put me in a cashier role. Yeah. The job description. Yeah. Yeah. Stand, stand, whatever. It doesn't matter. I lift 50 pounds. Okay, fine. Whatever. Like yeah. I will just work there. And that's, I mean, that's that, I mean, people like have to understand that that's not because I mean, like I, you know, I think Costco is objectively like a better job than a lot of retail jobs out there. I don't think it's the best retail job in the world, but I think people, lots of organizations have just done a really poor job of talking, talking up their employer brand or, or investing there. And so, you know, they, 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 they never, they never get that opportunity to even talk to those folks. And so you've got to, especially if you're establishing employer brand or you're building something, you have to give yourself every opportunity. So recruitment marketing, actually writing compelling job advertisements is going to help you sort of, again, close that gap um, that you're going to have uh, going out to uh, the workforce and, and trying to recruit people to your organization. And is recruitment marketing um, only job posting? I mean, isn't that like what most, like when people think about re recruitment marketing, I mean, there's this whole like other market of like, you know, like almost like, um, you know, um, talent relationship management solutions, for instance, yeah. that have more of like a nurturing capability and all that stuff. But when most people are thinking about, paid media and promoting open jobs, aren't they mostly just thinking about job posting? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely solutions out there that will, um, you know, CRM tools that will go out there. You have like, I mean, very capable recruiters that are on, you know, LinkedIn and other social platforms, you know, looking to create relationships with, with talented folks and, and, and do a great job there. Um, a lot of that is still very tactical, um, very sniperish, um, yeah. sort of thing, which could be super useful. Um, mm -hmm. and I think when we get to the candidate experience, um, I think we cover some of, some of why that, why that works there and some of the shortcomings that that's overcoming, um, yeah. you know, there. So but back to this point of like, okay, the HR person says we need to work on our employer brand. We need to work on recruitment marketing. How many, uh, HR departments do you know that have, um, a marketing team? Yeah, a lot of them are depending on, um, you know, employer brand agencies. Um, mm -hmm. You know, even the ones that are doing it, what I think is right, um, mm -hmm. they are they, they don't have those internal capabilities, or they are they're uh, depending on their own internal marketing resources um, to drive yeah. that, which it's usually secondary. Um, and yeah. Obviously, and honestly, like it's a it's a big gap between first and second. Yeah, and and I think you know. Ideally, you know, you would want an experience management approach, right? Where the same people who are thinking about your customer experience, your brand, your marketing, your sales, your product experience, your customer yeah. success motion are the same, uh, you know, people, or at least they, you know, uh, you know, drink the same wine from different cups uh, around your employer brand recruitment, marketing, uh, candidate experience, work experience, employee success. That's not the case. No one has really an internal, you know, um, HR marketing, you know, function or employee experience marketing function. Most organizations who are reliant upon their internal marketing uh, resources, they just never get the attention no, uh, that they need. Um, but, you know, I also and I, I hate to say this out loud. Most employer brand agencies kind of suck. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like this is not a commercial for the Star Conspiracy, but, um, you know, the, there used to be this pecking order that no one really talks about anymore. But it's like, oh, you know, like the if you want to work in the agency world, 
the best agencies to work for B to C agencies. You really right. want to work with consumer brands. You want to... And then there was this notion that if you work for a B to B agency, that that's like not as great as working for a B to C agency. Now that has changed over time, right? Um, yeah. Because tech has moved to the forefront. Uh, you know, it's you know, just as exciting to say that you you know you work with Lyft or you know uh, Headspace, which in a B two B context, or Oracle or you know Salesforce, as it is to you know say I work with you know Amazon or whatever. And uh, but there's also been this creative tension between then employer brand you know agencies as being like even a tier below you know like B two B agencies, and I'm I I don't believe that. I believe that they're amazing talented people uh, inside those agencies, but I believe that those agencies have not changed their approach. Like B2B is slow compared to B2C in terms of adopting new approaches and changes and everything. That's nothing compared to like uh, employer brand uh, agencies and, you know, recruitment marketing agencies. They're even behind, you know, this kind of like, you know, logical perception, a perception of like B2B versus like B2C. Um, And so, you know, and, by the way, when you go and hire that employer brand agency, they're not connected to the, you know, CX folks or the, you know, like the uh, consumer uh, agency or the, you know, like whatever, right? Uh, and so you tend to end up with this dissonance between, you know, the employee experience and the customer experience. And so it's, it's like, I, I don't know where I'm going with this other than to just express that I feel bad <laughs> for, you know, like, because we, I've, and I know you have, have met the most progressive people leaders in the world. Yeah. And they get, they get everything that we're talking about. Like they've taught us a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. You know, they get the need for a great employer brand. They get the need for great recruitment marketing. Um, but their ability to get the resources that they need and, and the level of, in, uh, you know, just holistic uh, attachment to, um, you know, kind of other initiatives uh, that may be viewed as marketing issues inside the organization is it's pretty tough, you know, it's pretty yeah. tough. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's, there's a lot of chicken, the egg, you know, investment um, challenges there too. I mean, like yeah. to, to, to be honest, I think, you know, employment agencies, uh, employer brand agencies have, have suffered that same thing. You know, they, they've, they have not, um, you're right. They haven't advanced and a lot of them haven't had the opportunity to take on the types of transfer transformative projects that I think they deserve to have because, it's hard to tell that story uh, because, you know, we haven't seen a lot of examples of organizations spending the types of resources they need to on this. I think that will change. Uh, I think that it, that is changing uh, a little bit. You know, I think you'll start to see some separation there. Um, but I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're, they're also like, it's also slow. Like you ask them to build a website and um, <laughs> I've heard nightmares about, you know, building out career websites uh, from, yeah. you know, employer brand agencies. Just like we've heard it from, you know, B2B and B2C organizations too. So like, I hate to assign it to that, but I mean, you know, there, there, there are challenges there. Absolutely. For sure. And I think a lot of it has to do with just the fact that, um, I don't think there's been a lot of great storytelling there and lots of great connections. One of the great things that I think happened in 2021 through 2022 is just like seeing, seeing more connection between CX and EX, I think starts to change, um, the math on that, um, investment a, a lot more. Well, you know, going back to a point that you made earlier about Indeed changing their model, um, you know, to a, you know, a paper applicant uh, model, you know, uh, just to peek behind the curtain in the agency world uh, for a moment, you know, a lot of employer brand uh, agencies were largely conceived and driven by the commission that they earn on job postings. And so, you know, uh, not all, um, because there are just like some pure employer brand uh, agencies who tend to focus more on, you know, um, the strategic work, the uh, creation of the employer, um, you know, value proposition, um, you know, effective, um, you know, advertising strategies, et cetera. But the vast majority of uh, agencies um, that are attached to employee experience, especially in, you know, uh, recruitment marketing, um, really derive uh, historically most of their revenue from commissions on uh, job posting. And so you look at the change that Indeed just made, that's going to ripple through, um, you know, the agency world. Uh, and yeah. just like every other, you know, kind of, um, uh, you know, agency context, 
the, in order for those guys to survive, they're going to have to bring more strategy and more value to the table. And I hope that that, you know, creates this opportunity to, you know, just kind of drive more innovation uh, into the way that, um, you know, agencies are able to support, um, uh, you know, different companies and in, in their execution of great employer branding and recruitment marketing. And, you know, uh, I don't I don't think that we're going to be able to get to, um, you know, work experience or employee success. But we talked about employer branding. We talked about recruitment marketing. Um, and, you know, what about candidate experience in 2023? I mean, I just had a, call, a former colleague who uh, went through the recruitment process, get, successfully got a job, but like, you know, we still have, uh, especially for, you know, people further along in their careers, we still have very much a candidate black hole. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's still as bad um, out there, especially, like I said, especially for people with specialized experience. Um, it is harder for even the smartest ATSs in the world to sort of figure out how to like uh, stack and rank those folks. Um, mm -hmm. So you have lots of folks that are, you know, submitting applications and, um, you know, not getting any word. Uh, this mm -hmm. person was luckily, uh, lucky enough to have a great network uh, that they worked and they worked it hard and um, they got a job that way. Uh, but they also, you know, they also did the thing that um, we tell everybody to do on the candidate side, which is like, Hey, you got to keep applying for jobs. Um, mm -hmm. Like you, you still got to do that. And so, like, you know, when we're looking at, you know, uh, shortages uh, of labor and that sort of thing, mm -hmm. those sorts of mistakes can't be happening, especially mm -hmm. when you're looking at the most skilled positions in your organization. Um, you can't, you can't be afford, you, you can't afford to have a applicant tracking system that just like leaves those people. On red, basically, you know. I mean, they they they, yeah. get, they submit their application. They don't hear anything back until they see, oh, the job's closed. All right, so I'm, yeah. I'm not going to talk to that people, those people, um, you know. And you know, people absolutely cannot um, afford to tailor their resume to every damn uh, you know uh, job they're applying to. Either otherwise, you know. I mean, so like. You know, you've 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 got to figure this this part out. Twenty twenty three is going to be a tough tough road to go, anyways. I think from a recruitment standpoint, but like, I mean, it's 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 amazing to me that it's almost twenty twenty three. We're still talking about people, just like people that when I look at their experience and I look at the job they're applying for, they're like, why didn't I get a call back for this? I'm yeah, like, I don't know uh, because like it's not even that you were even over over like experience, like some people have yeah. said, like, you know, that, that overqualified, overqualified as far as, um, uh, you know, reasons not to, I mean, like you seem to be right in the wheelhouse of, of what these guys were looking for. Um, your applicant, I mean, your, your, your resume looks right on, uh, you submitted a cover letter that explained it, that, um, you know, did all the right things and to not even get any contact back. It's just, it's, it's hard to believe that we're at this point, but, um, it's yeah, a defining that's, that's moment. Yeah. It's a defining moment. If you don't hear back from a company about a position that you really wanted and felt very qualified for, and you don't even uh, hear back, it becomes a defining yeah. moment that colors your entire perception about that company in the EX context and in the uh, CX context, right? Yeah. And so, like, we get it. On this side of the desk, if you're working as a people leader, if you're working in HR, a work leader, so we get it. Like the volume, the systems, all that stuff. Like it's uh, in our minds, impossible to get to everyone. But I would offer this, I would offer these two uh, comments. Number one is the candidate doesn't know and doesn't care. Like yeah. they don't even have the context for understanding that they are in a database with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of, you know, people. And that, you know, the right, you know, uh, buttons and switches and lights didn't go off and they didn't like, you know, uh, go through tunnel A instead of tunnel B. Um, they don't know any of that. All they know is that they felt like this was the job that they were going to nail uh, and they just never heard back from anybody. The yeah. second thing I would say is you can't in one breath say that talent acquisition, people, Etc. are the most important business initiative we have. And at the same time, allow a situation like this to exist. Yeah. <laughs> because chances are all the people that you need are the ones you never got back to. 
you know, like there's some in that, you know, pile of folks that you just never even connected with because your systems weren't set up the right way or you didn't have the right internal process or you were just overwhelmed, you know, with the number of applicants or whatever. Chances are, you know, as we used to say back in the day, the next Michael Dell was in there somewhere, right? The next, you know, um, whatever was in there. Um, and I think, you know, candidate experience is actually probably, in my opinion, so, you know, setting employer brand and recruitment marketing aside, incredibly important for creating the opportunity uh, to get people into the candidate experience. But if you're looking at unwinding, um, you know, something that is uh, really broken in terms of EX, I think candidate experience is probably the toughest nut to crack, to mix a bunch of it metaphors is. there. Yeah, it's, it is really tough. It's, it's, it's really hard to, I think, sell, especially when times are good uh, for, you know, when times are good for recruiters, it's usually times are like, um, not maybe not bad, but like, it'd be like, they're, they're, they're better for like uh, recruiters because they're getting lots of applications. They have their choice of, of candidates. That's good for down acquisition. It's not great for, for, for candidates. And so having, having uh, TA leaders imagine a, a scenario where they're not getting hundreds of applications for every job that they put out there, um, they're maybe getting tens of applications and maybe a handful of them are actually qualified. And guess what? You just paid out the nose for those because mm -hmm. you've, you've got a new model for advertising now. Um, that That's that's what candidate experience becomes really important, right? And so it's hard to sell sort of this imaginary future until it actually happens. And then you're way behind on on making those changes because yep. making those changes right now, are gonna, it's gonna be super disruptive. And you're not going to have a lot of the resources that you need, which I believe are going to be town acquisition professionals uh, to actually, you know, deal with with these challenges. So I, I don't believe it's a technology problem per se, although, I mean, obviously technology is not contributing to the solution in, in a lot of cases. But, um, I mean, this, this, is, this is something where, like, you know, at the first sense of trouble, like in 2020, like whenever the pandemic hit, you just, like, let go of all your recruiters. You're like, mm -hmm. well, we won't need you for a while. It's like, yeah. oh, like, and everybody, like, you know, May and June, they're like, oh, shit, yeah, we do. We actually need you back. Um, all these guys were, you know, back on the market again. So, you know, I think that's that's going to be one of those. Uh, when I'm looking at 2023, um, C organizations, you know, I think I think manage that particular challenge. Um, it's going to be it's going to be really tough. So, like, if you've got a good handle on your employer brand and recruitment marketing, um, but you, you feel like candidate experience is one of those things you can improve. I think it's going to be tough to do that in 2023, honestly, uh, because there's just lots of baggage. And there's, there's lots of things you need to do that require manpower that you can't hire right now. Yeah. Well, I've got, you know, one, just uh, one piece of advice for 2023 around candidate experience. Yeah. Because I do think like, I, I get your point about people. There is, I think as well, a systems uh, component, Absolutely. which is, you know, yeah, it's it's the for me, it's always about uh, technological determinism and, you know, the the product that you implement uh, ends up having an impact on uh, the way you do things and what your culture becomes. Um, and I think there are a lot of systems out there that are wired based on this like funnel based gauntlet based, you know, kind of model. And I would just encourage everyone in 2023, put it on your strategic list, go through the process of mapping the experience from a, an employee's perspective, their exposure to your brand, their um, exposure to your recruitment marketing, the steps that they go through in recruitment marketing, and the candidate experience, and not just for people who are flowing all the way through to interviews and offers or not offers or whatever, but look at all the off-ramps and look at the experience that people are having there and just gain greater insight into the number of people um, that you're impacting and the types of defining moments and experiences that you're creating for them. Because I really believe that most organizations are um, really focused on the experience that they're creating for people who get all the way from, you know, you know, through brand, through recruitment, marketing, through the candidate experience. And they're not focused on the people who 
never get called back or, you know, find this off ramp or the, uh, you know, the next off ramp. And that number is staggeringly large compared to the small group of people right. that actually get all the way through the candidate experience. So that would be my advice for 2023 is just go through the process of mapping the experience for everyone and then take a moment to say, oh, shit. <laughs> like people who get a job love us. But the other 99% of the people who are, you know, flowing through this uh, experience are, you know, hearing crickets or, you know, just having a really, you know, terrible experience. And I would offer as a suggestion that that has a long-term impact on your employer brand, your future recruitment marketing effectiveness, and your ability to establish trust in the candidate experience just based on, you know, the the sentiment that's created by the vast majority of people who don't advance very far through candidate experience. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a great point to not just talk to uh, folks that have made it through your candidates, people who are, have actually successfully made it, but to talk to those folks that um, have also fallen out of those processes. And so like, you know, the Candidate Experience Awards does that as part of their research. Um, you know, there's obviously other ways to get that information as well, partnering with a research company, uh, doing that sort of work, doing it yourself is, is sometimes possible, but you're not mm -hmm. always going to get the best information um, from that, especially if you're doing anything qualitative. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think probably a great place to place to end it. And, you know, I think looking ahead to, I know we're going to be getting together next year, maybe early next year, we can talk about work experience and employee success. Cause I think that's a whole another ball to. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, sure. Well, this is a topic we should probably talk about a lot, uh, next year across all of these yeah. areas. Um, happy holidays, Lance. Happy holidays to uh, everyone who's out there in TV land and radio land listening to us. And uh, wish you all the best. It was a hell of a year in 2022. Bring on 2023. Let's <laughs> I'm really do it. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Let's do it. Catch you next time.